Hello, and welcome back to my story, his story, our journey. Well, this is Miss Mary here. Just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in today and looking forward to going into the second chapter of the book of Jonah. And I hope you've enjoyed it so far and you've learned a lot from it. I know that he teaches me something every single time he puts me back into his word. And uh, there's so much that we can learn from Jonah, from Jonah's decisions, from Jonah's mistakes, and from when Jonah decides to listen to the Lord. So I just want to thank everybody once again for being here, and I will see you in my part of the story. Welcome to my part of the story. So, as I said before, I really feel that the Lord is leading me in this direction uh, to actually study the book of Jonah again. And um, I think I can see what the Lord is trying to show me through this. And, and it's a good lesson for all of us. Like I said, my son had made a profession of faith, but yet he's chose to go back to living the way that the world lives and because he's listened to Satan's tricks and his lies he's landed himself up in a situation that he is now addicted to drugs you know Satan will always tell you that I'll just try it one time it couldn't be that bad or this is the way out this will definitely make you feel better and you actually believe that it does make you feel better, a, a way of escape. I've noticed that when it comes to the world and the sin and the problems that everybody face in this world, instead of turning to God for the strength and the peace that they need from the situations in their lives, they turn to other things, and that could include so many things. Some people engulf themselves in work to the point where they work themselves to death to not think about what they don't have even though they have a ton of money. Some people will do drugs. Some people will drink alcohol until they're drunk. Uh, some people gamble because they get what they believe is a, a, a rush from gambling when they win. Uh, and they're all addictions. They're all something that can get a hold of you and take you to a place that you never wanted to be. I remember one time <clears throat> a pastor saying um, a quote, and I hope I quote it exactly right. I hope I don't get it backwards because it's been a while. But he used to say that sin will take you to a place you never intended to go keep you longer than you ever intended to stay and make you pay a price that you never intended to pay. And I always thought about that and it's so true. Like it doesn't take being too far from the Lord before you can lose your footage and Satan can have you entangled into his world and his lies and deceits very quickly. And it usually starts with a part of self-centeredness because everybody has trials. Everybody faces 
pain. Everybody has lost somebody. Everybody has had situations in their lives that was not good. But instead of being strong and getting strong from those situations and saying, I will never do that or I will never put my family through something similar, we have a tendency to be self-absorbed and just feel like, woe is me. And um, I just want to escape. And then Satan has them. Because he always offers, this is the way of escape. Think about what he said to Jesus. You know, look at when he tempted him. The 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus was in the desert. And he said, you know, we can turn these these stones right here into bread. That way you can eat. And, you know, Jesus had to quote scripture back to Satan. Just to get him to stop tempting him. You know, and his response is, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's so true. Like, I I struggle. I have pain. I have times that Satan wants to cloud my mind with fear and anxiety. But I know that the Lord always shows me what I need to do. He always will direct me and calm me down and give me that peace that he promises to give me that passes all understanding. Um, I know I'm still growing. I'm not perfect. I feel like sometimes I lean toward the anxiety first and then as I process through it, it's like, okay, I remember the Lord I served. And then it's like him bringing scripture to my heart and to my mind. And, and I'm like, yes, Lord, that's right. And and just like this study in Jonah, him leading me in this direction. And I could see it because it does remind me of my son. You know, we saw in chapter one of Jonah how he refused a calling that God told him to do. God called him to go to the people, to the Ninevites, and he refused. And he not only refused God, But he also had a hatred and a bitterness toward the Ninevites. He didn't feel like they deserved it. And my question is, do you feel that way sometimes? I know that we think we don't. But the majority of Christians that I know, especially if you speak on homosexuality, the world embraces it, even though It's against the Word of God. But the church and the believers have a tendency to be totally disgusted with it. A total hatred for it. And me, I guess, I feel like I have no use for sin. uh, Even though I'm a sinner. Because even when I sin, I I get so hurt and so mad. Like... Lord, why can't you just take this from me? Please take this from me. What are you teaching me through this? But at the same time, will we ever reach those people that are confused and blinded by Satan with the Word of God? Can we reach them with the actual love that Christ had for them? Because if we feel the same way that Jonah feels, they don't deserve it or just completely disgusted by them. And we gotta be careful about the choice of wording that we use, especially around other people that are non-believers. Because yes, 
God hates sin. He called he called homosexuality an abomination. And that's strong wording and I understand that. But I guess what I'm saying is is it it hurts my heart because the more and more you see sin on the TV, and I'm talking about all kinds of sin. I'm not talking about just homosexuality. But as we see it, we get more and more disgusted by it. But my heart pities them. I I pity the people that are totally blinded and confused about their own makeup, their own uh, sexual orientation that, that they were made with being confused. I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl, or I'm a girl, but I think I'm a boy. Um, You know, their sin is no different than ours. Their sin is no different than my sin before I was saved. I was getting married and divorced. I had children by other men. I partied. You know, I was very self-centered. You know, my sin is really no different than their sin. It was paid for on the cross. It's just a matter of them understanding that their sin was paid for on the cross. I didn't change myself. The Holy Spirit of God changed me. So what makes you think they can change themselves? And when someone says to me, well, they feel they were born that way, hey, I don't know that I have a real problem with that, and I'll tell you why. Because we were all born sinners. Yeah. Satan had their minds twisted and changed around even at maybe the youngest of ages but sin is still sin and we do have to call it sin and I'm not saying to ever agree with that sin because you can't agree with something that God disagrees with especially if the very spirit of him lives within your body but I know his spirit lives in my heart so why is it that I still feel pitiful or I feel pity for them or I feel like I I pray for people like when I see people hand in hand and they're they're the same sex I do I will stop and I will pray Lord I pray I pray one day you reach them I pray your Holy Spirit will touch their minds and their hearts and that someone you know I could just be passing by in a car I do the same for somebody that I see carrying a a case of beer out I've, I've been known to stop and just pray over that person but are we like Jonah do we have such an anger or a hatred toward a particular group of people because we feel that they do not deserve grace well here's an eye-opener for everybody including myself and Jonah nobody deserved it Nobody was worthy of it. It was a totally free gift. And believe it or not, that total free gift can be offered to somebody that is caught up in their sin nature of homosexuality, with perversion, with adultery, with drinking, a murderer. You will see all of those characters in the Word of God. You will see those that actually have been converted to Christianity that have those titles on them like Saul when he was gathering to murder Christians in the name of God because he felt like it was the right thing to do 
So, as we go into his story and into the second chapter of Jonah, I would ask you just to examine your mind and your heart on the first chapter of Jonah. Are you that kind of person that will look and think they're they're so far gone, they can't be reached? Are you going to be like Jonah? Are you going to hate a certain people group for a specific reason? Or maybe you're like Jonah and you're just being totally defiant against God. We saw how Jonah went down to the shore and then down into the boat and down into the bottom of the boat to sleep and then they tossed him out into the water and then he went down into the water and at the very end of it we see that he went into the belly of the well. How far down does he have to go? How bad does it have to be before he wakes up and he realizes that you need to listen to God. You need to repent from your wicked way to Jonah and return back to God and to do his will. Well, we see where Jonah was when we left off last week. So we're going to go to his part of the story and pick up in chapter 2 of Jonah and see what's going on with Jonah now. I'll see you there chapter 2 in his part of the story. Hello, and welcome back to his part of the story. So we're picking up here in chapter 2 of Jonah, and we're going to go ahead and start, and it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying. Now before we go into what Jonah had to say, we remember at the end of chapter 1, and last week, he had kept going down and down and down and running from God and running from God and not listening to what God had him to, wanted him to do or where he was sending him. He absolutely refused. And at the end of chapter 1, he was tossed overboard of the boat. And in the very last verse says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So that's where we ended. And we saw and let us remember that it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. So once again, we see God moving and God in sovereign control of what was going on in Jonah's life. But let's see what Jonah was saying to God at that time. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, Notice that he didn't pray until after the belly of the fish. It wasn't like he prayed before. He prayed after. And it said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and all your billows passed over me. Okay, we're going to stop right there. Well... Maybe as he went down, he was praying, or he was 
speaking through his mind and his heart as he was going down through the water. We can see here, he said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. So then there must have been a mental time before the fish swallowed Jonah that he was processing in his mind as he went down through that water. Now, I don't know about you, but I always say there's two ways that I would hate to die, and that would be being burned to death or drowning. And the idea of the air just being, I can't even swim underwater for very long. Like, I can't hold my breath for very long. And if you can imagine as Jonah is going down further and further and further, he is aware of his helpless situation. He can't do nothing for himself. And he says, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me and all your waves and your billows passed over me. So he's aware of it. God controls the, the winds and the waves. Remember how the sailors were upset because this, you're, you're telling me you're, you upset your God, which is the God that created the, the land and the sea and the waters. And why would you do that? Now you've brought this upon us. So he's, he's admitting, your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land. Hmm. You can see him going further down. You know, as you're sinking in water, he's probably passing through seaweed and roots, and he's getting down so far that he could probably see this, the land, the shore. Like, if you've ever been fishing, I love to fish, you've seen trees that's been near rivers, and lakes and the roots are up above the the ground sometimes but down in the water you can see all of the roots from the trees and uh, how they intertwined into the water Um, he says I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever yet you brought up my life from the pit O Lord my God When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So now we see a different Jonah. Now we see a Jonah that's taken himself so down, 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 and down that he realizes this is a mess that I can't get myself out of. 
The only way I'm getting out is if my Lord helps me. And he says right here, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayers and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. See, Jonah had to cry out to the very God that he thought the Ninevites didn't have the right to know. Hmm. He must have forgot before he knew the Lord that he was a sinner. He must have forgot that he still lived in a sinner's body because he's proved it in chapter 1. Doing his own thing. Just defying God. Defying what he had to tell him to do. So see, this is the part where I was thinking, is that what my son has done? He's gone down and down and down and down. But Lord, is that what you're showing me? That Jonah did that too? That Jonah ran? That Jonah didn't listen to you? He defied you. He went on his way with the anger that he held in his heart. He turned away from you. That's what my son has done. Is it your way of telling me? But I'm still capable, Mary. I can't tell you how many times my Lord has brought other scriptures up to me. Uh, one that um, I love so much and I think I have spoke of before, which was Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And it's like now again through Jonah. See, I saw Jonah a different way when I read it before. And I think both accounts are right. I see me. I see a warning to myself as a believer. I see how easy it could happen. But this time I'm looking at it through a lens that maybe the Lord's telling me. He could still cry out to me, Mary. He could still cry out to me from the pit. Jonah did. And God saved him. But you know, God had already kind of saved him. He appointed a great fish to swallow him up. So, you think God had already sent the fish as Jonah was processing these thoughts as he went further and further and further and further down in the water? You think it was a split second that Jonah was like, please, Lord, I'm sorry. Everything that is consuming me right now, you made He's so aware of who God is and who he really is in the light of things. And that happens often. Many people don't want to accept Christ as their personal Savior. And they don't really want to live for the Lord. And they don't really want, they don't want hell, but they don't want to live for the Lord. They don't want him to be a Lord of their life or a master. 
They want him to be a savior. As most spoiled children do. I want what I want when I want it and if it benefits me. However, if it's something that don't benefit me and I gotta give up my freedom in my life and I gotta serve you and what? I don't know if I want that. But see, Jonah, he forgot who he was, just like the Ninevites, and he forgot who God was until he was being consumed by the very water that God spoke onto this earth. But in spite of it all, you still see the merciful Lord appoint a fish to swallow him up. And at the end of chapter 2, verse 10, the very last one, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, I don't know about you, but we never did like the word vomit. We know it's disgusting. You think there was a point here? You think God was disgusted with Jonah? With his actions? With his attitude? With his know-it-all self that those people did not deserve what God said to do? Now, whether they all believed or they didn't, God said to go tell them. He saw their evilness, they were wicked, and God was done with it. And he sent Jonah to tell them that he was done with it. So it really wasn't even up for him to decide that whether God would be merciful or not. He should have just did what the Lord told him to do. So I think there is a connection here to the point that the fish vomited him up onto the dry land. Because I'm sure God is sometimes disgusted with his children and some of the ways that we act. He's still a loving father. He's still a good father. He's still merciful in grace. You know, he he offers his grace every day. His mercies are new every day. But... Do we act in such a way sometimes that he could be disgusted with us? You know, it says to the lukewarm church, he will spew you out of his mouth. So we see that once again in the book of Revelation. It's interesting how Jonah got spewed out of the mouth of the great fish. Well, I don't know how far a person has to go down before they realize that they have to look up to the Savior and trust Him with their life and with what He tells them to do in their life, that He does have their best interest. That is chapter 2, and I will see you over in our part of the journey. part of the journey. Well, as we left off in his part of the story, we saw where God, our Lord, said, he 
spoke to a fish, and the fish vomited Jonah back up onto dry land. But there was a lot of going down that Jonah did before the fish had vomited him on up onto the land. He had to experience a lot. He had to go through a lot before he got to the point where the Lord had his attention again. I guess I could see myself in that as well. I've gone through that several times. Um, well, again, I would like, a, like to go into our part of the story with just kind of covering a little bit of a commentary on this particular chapter. It's very interesting. Uh, it says here, uh, like, where it said, Finally, Jonah prayed. He did not pray for God to save the pagan sailors, but he did thank God for saving them. And then it says 2 through 9, and then it said, Jonah's prayer is not a request to be saved from the fish, but is thanksgiving for being saved by the fish. Verse 2 summarizes the prayer. Jonah called for help, and God answered. Now, think about that. Jonah called for help and God answered but yet Jonah didn't want to give the Ninevites that very privilege how how does Jonah not know that out of all of the Ninevites there wasn't somebody one, two people out of all of that people group that might have just thought what we often think what am I here for what does my life mean what is it worth is it worth anything maybe there was somebody over there that was crying out for help and didn't even know who to turn to I guess we don't know really but Jonah cried for help and God answered and then it says Sheol Sheol refers to the realm of the dead, which one would enter by going through the gate made of bars. Jonah did not literally pray from Sheol, but describes his near-death experience. We've often heard stories of people from near-death experiences. So when he speaks of the bars and he's, you know, he's thinking figuratively of Sheol, he was aware that he was dying. He, he was describing his near-death experience. And then it says, You cast me. Though it was the sailors who had hurled Jonah into the sea, he knows that God was working sovereignly through them. And so he, say, so he can say that God cast him into the sea, which is another interesting factor. I know that when it came to my salvation, that God was working sovereignly through people in my path there is no you know that I will never sway from that I absolutely know because I absolutely know that the nine I got saved because of those circumstances that kept happening and happening happening it was like instantly I knew in my heart in my mind I was before a king I was before a god that had orchestrated things so precise that there was no denying him. There was no denying his existence. And truthfully, the nine of my salvation, I just fell on my knees in prayer before a Lord, before a King of Kings, 
and the Lord of Lords. I knew it that night. I recognized it that night that there would never have been those situations or moments and the perfect timing of certain people without God's hand in it. I was certain of that when I had accepted him as my personal savior and my Lord. And Jonah is aware. Yes, I was cast over, but I was cast over by you. I was cast in the sea by you. And then he said, look upon or look toward refers to the ancient practice of praying toward the temple. So he says, I'll look toward you. And then it says, went down. Jonah's descent to death is almost complete as he reaches the roots of the mountains at the bottom of the sea, where the gates of Sheol are located, since the bars referred to the gates of Sheol. The land refers to the realm of of the dead and then you see here he's showing you that he was quite aware that as he was going down that this was that this was his it would certainly be his fate that he would be dead the realm of the dead and then it says you brought Jonah had done nothing to deserve being rescued His salvation was by grace alone. So once again, we see, goes back to who? Goes back to God Almighty, goes back to the Lord. He did nothing, nothing to deserve being rescued. Did he, he cried out. He knew he was dying, but did he deserve it? No, he put himself in that position. He's the one that, went down to the shore and went in the boat and went down to the bottom of the boat and told them, hey, just throw me over. And he went down in the bottom of the water. That was his choices. That's what he did. That was his path that he laid out because the path that God had laid out for him was Nineveh. So he did nothing to, to really deserve being rescued. God made that decision. And again, we see salvation by grace alone. Those who pay regard to vain idols refers to the pagan sailors who prayed each to his own God, but it is also a message to Jonah's idolatrous fellow Israelites. Ironically, these sailors ended up experiencing God's steadfast love while Jonah ended up in the sea. Sacrifice and vowed recalls the action of the sailors, whom Jonah is now like salvation belongs to the Lord so we we see here I'm gonna stop right there before I go on to salvation belongs to the Lord but we see here that you know when he makes mention of those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope to of steadfast love he was aware in in the process in his prayer he was aware that these idolatrous men that prayed to to fake non-existent gods turned from their way and turned to the God that that Jonah worshipped, the God that he loved and knew, and made sacrifices for him. That's just it's mind-blowing that he he he's aware, like that this is crazy. They did it, but I haven't done it. And then it says, whom Jonah is now like, 
So now he is. Now he's crying out to the God and realizing his power and authority. But then it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Is Jonah's confession that God that God is the sovereign source of salvation. Though the rest of the story will show that Jonah believes God is free to save any as long as they are us and not them. Oh my goodness. Jonah's not rethinking, is he? Did he say us and not them? He still got that feeling that he has a grander purpose to be saved than the Ninevites. Do you feel that way? Do you find yourself instead of saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace and grace alone through faith, not of myself, but it's a gift of God. You see any man should boast. Do you find yourself saying that or do you find yourself saying, I can't believe those people. Why they act like that? What's wrong with them? They're going to go to hell. They're going to burn in hell. vomited can express disgust and some interpreters see here an indication that God was still displeased with the hostility toward the Ninevites that was still in Jonah's heart as he revealed to Jonah in 4 in spite of the obvious gratitude of his prayer nevertheless Vicious actions brought deliverance to Jonah in an indication of God's favor. So, I was right. He was vomited because of the disgust that God was still displeased with his hostileness toward the Ninevites. You know, that goes back to him saying, just cast me into the water. Why did he not say, yes, it's me? Lord, I'm sorry. Help me get back to shore. I'll head to the Ninevites. I'll go where you told me to go. Instead, he said, just throw me over. Are you out there? Have you given up? Do you feel like that you somehow deserve more or deserve better? You know, I knew a wonderful godly man. He was a wonderful speaker during revival. His name was Sammy Fry. And you know, no matter when you spoke to him, you would say, Sammy, how are you doing today? And his answer was always, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve, Mary. And I, I always thought, what a powerful statement. He's so aware that this life, this day that I breathe, that anything that is given to me this very day is still better than I deserve. Did Jonah feel that he deserved more than the Ninevites? That somehow he should have been rescued by God? Because he certainly didn't want to go there. He was even willing to die. I believe that he was ready. I don't know that it was just the men. I don't know that it was just the men that he was concerned about. I believe he was being stubborn. And he was like, just throw me in. Until he got in there. Because see, that's the most of us. We think we know what we want. We think we know where we're headed. And we think we know it all. And we don't have to listen to God. But yet, 
what happened. Once he got there, he didn't want to be there at all. Well, I guess as we move into next week, we'll see. Did Jonah go to Nineveh? Did he change his mind? Does he know now? Has he learned now? Well, I guess I will see you next Tuesday for chapter 3 of Jonah, and we'll go on that journey together to see just what Jonah has decided. We're going to finish up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the book of Jonah. I thank you for putting this example into your holy word. I know every story, every character you put in there, you put in there because you want us to see. You want us to see through your eyes that this is not only people around us, and it can give me hope that it's my son, and even though he's going down and down and down, that you can still rescue him. You can still bring him out of this situation. I know you have that power and that authority to do so. But you also show that it's me, that it's us. As believers, anytime we turn from your way to our way, you're trying to teach us as your children to have faith in you, to trust you, to rely on you and to be satisfied with where you send us, with what you ask from us, and to be willing to go wherever you send us, to be able to speak when you tell us to speak through your spirit. Lord, allow us not to judge others around us. Your word tells us to take the plank out of our eye before we try to take the speck out of someone else's. We need to remember where we came from, We need to understand the cost that you put out there for us, that that it cost you everything. It cost you your son's life on Calvary to redeem us back, to buy us back that ransom that you paid, that you chose to pay for us. And let us have the same compassion, love, and mercy in our heart toward anybody around us that may resemble the Ninevites. Thank you, Lord, for this lesson. Thank you and help us apply it to our lives and to our mind and heart to keep it away and to know what to do when we come up against the same situations. Thank you for hearing our prayer, but we thank you mostly for Jesus, for it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me this week in my story, his story, our journey. And we'll see you next week with chapter three.